You know when the clock strikes 12, that Midnight Mania Sports hosted by Austin Takuda and George Hathaway starts right now. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 18 here on Midnight Mania Sports. Austin Takuda with George Hathaway once again to bring you what's happening around the sports world this week. Starting off, George, with the MLB, we finally have some news in the baseball world. First off, Charlie Morton, right-handed pitcher who pitched in the World Series with the Tampa Bay Rays, has signed a one-year $15 million contract with the Atlanta Braves. Morton has been a solid starting pitcher over the last couple seasons and now adds some depth and some kind of stability to the Braves rotation. I think that's a great move. The Atlanta Braves, who were you know just short last year, of the World Series, and they blew that lead, really, which was upsetting to watch. And I think that, you know, with adding that, it's like you said, it's going to add depth. And then, of course, it's also going to kind of bring them to that next level of where they kind of lacked last season in the postseason. So I think the Braves are going to be a contender again. You might have to watch out for them next season if they still continue to build upon the team that they have. They definitely should start to, you know, improve where they were from last year. They did win the division, but they didn't get too far into the playoffs. So hopefully they can win a few more games and take another step forward as they do have the same core, but they are getting a nice upgrade with their starting pitching. But in other NB news, another Tampa Bay Ray, uh, Randy Arozarena uh, was detained in Mexico after an incident where he allegedly tried to take his daughter from her mother and assaulted the woman's father, according to ESPN, confirming a report. This is from Jeff Passan on Twitter. Uh, MLB will be investigating the incident. So that's uh, unfortunate news. We don't know, obviously, innocent until proven guilty, but the report so far that Rosa Reina could be facing some consequences for the incident down in Mexico. And, you know, we were speaking so highly of him throughout the World Series and everything, so it's just not a good look for the organization as they're coming off like an underdog story here. And Arona Reza is probably one of the better players in the postseason, even the World Series. So, you know, this isn't good for the organization, the MLB, as they're struggling, you know, for their reputation right now as well. So this just doesn't add anything onto it and not the news you really want to hear. Otherwise, besides those two pieces of news, the MLB has continued to be relatively quiet this offseason. We're still waiting to see uh, some of the more you know well-known free agents that are out there DJ LeMahieu for instance where is he going to sign but otherwise it's been a quiet week in the MLB now I guess we should jump right over to the NBA because it just continues to be news even in the three days that we don't record we still get plenty of news coming in so I guess we have to start because on Friday Gordon Hayward uh, had declined his option I believe but he hadn't signed yet with a team we were expecting a sign and trade to the Pacers because Shams, uh, the reporter from The Athletic, had said it was pretty much all but a done deal. So he got my hopes up for nothing. I thought Hayward was going to the Pacers, and I thought that I'd be wearing a Miles Turner jersey by Christmas. <laughs> but apparently not. So Gordon Hayward has signed a four-year, $120 million deal with the Charlotte Hornets, uh, $30 million a year for a guy who averaged 17 and has a bad angle. Um your thoughts on Hayward signing the whole the whole saga? Some people are blaming Danny Ainge for getting nothing back. Some people, you know, aren't blaming Danny Ainge. I mean, me for instance, it's he took the most money out there. It's not anything Ainge could really do about it unless he traded him at the trade deadline. Yeah, for me, I think Michael Jordan's probably one of the greatest basketball players ever, but he's not the greatest GM at all, and. For Gordon Hayward, $120 million for four years, is he worth it long run? I don't think that was the best move by Michael Jordan. He's been making some crazy offseason, you know, trades, signings, drafts. So I was not surprised, but I was also like, okay, Michael, what are you doing over here down in Charlotte? But and, you know, from the Celtics standpoint is, you know, you didn't get anybody out of that. You know, Gordon Hayward's a former all-star you know, one of the better players in the NBA when healthy. So you pretty much just let him walk away at that point. And I wasn't too thrilled. Honestly, I think Danny Ainge could have done a little bit better. But if we had to go back to that Pacers deal, you know, maybe he wasn't getting enough money. And that's probably why he didn't want to go and do the sign and trade there, maybe for Miles Turner. So I think 
the best option for Hayward was Charlotte, where he was going to get the most money. And for him, I guess it was all about the money down there in Charlotte. And the, the Celtics ended up kind of like, you know, losing Hayward. It was a, a win-lose kind of situation because you got rid of Gordon Hayward. I think that's what, you know, they wanted to do. Fans wanted that to happen. But, you know, they didn't get anything from it. And we later find out Tristan Thompson's coming to the Boston Celtics and the Kardashians are moving on up to Boston. And I'm not too thrilled about that, Austin. I don't know about you, but I think the Celtics, you know, Tristan Thompson, he's a veteran. He, he has championship caliber. He knows what it's like to be in those situations. And honestly, on the Celtics, he's the only player, I'm pretty sure, who's won an uh, NBA championship. So I think that he can add some leadership to that team of what they need to do to get to that next level. So I, I don't mind Tristan Thompson. He's just averaged 10 rebounds in the last two seasons, more than any Celtic has since 2006, 2007. So I'm looking forward to a great rebounder on the team. Yeah, and if you look at it, the Celtics lost Hayward, but they brought in Thompson, Teague, Neesmith, and Pritchard. And you have to remember, which a lot of fans are forgetting, is yes, Hayward was your fourth option, but you're not going to need a fourth option this year because Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are getting better every single season. Mm -hmm. So with their improvements every year, they're going to go from averaging, you know, 25 and 21 to 28 and 23. There are two guys who are going to continue to get better. They haven't even hit their primes yet, and we don't realize that. These two guys are just on the verge of hitting their primes. So if you get rid of Hayward, it's not that big of a deal. It's really three more shots a game for Tatum, three more for Jalen. And then you have Jeff Teague coming on and taking six off the bench and Smith taking three of the threes Hayward would have hit. So I, I honestly don't – I think this is a better team than last year. It really is. It's the more complete mm -hmm. team. You have a better backup point guard with Teague. You have Peyton Pritchard, who by all accounts is a very hard worker and should really play well with Smart. Um, after – I'd give it some time. He's not going to come in immediately and be, you know, a guy who's going to average 10, 5, and 5 as your kind of do-it-all point guard. But he should be a good backup point guard. And then Neesmith is supposed to be a knockdown shooter. So you're really, overall, you're upgrading. And you mentioned and you talked about Tristan Thompson's ability to rebound, which is still, I mean, so many people just are so focused on the stretch big and their ability to shoot and pass. But on a team like this, you don't need that. I think that's why the Pelicans, like your team, went out and got Steven Adams because they recognize mm -hmm. that they have a bunch of shooters, um, a bunch of guys who can shoot the three like Ingram, uh, J.J. Redick, obviously. Um, Lewis coming off the bench, even Lonzo takes some threes. So you don't need to surround them with another shooter. You need to get somebody who can get a rebound, which is why they got Steven Adams. I think that's why the Celtics upgraded by getting Thompson. They could have won out and they could have looked at, they did look at Paul Millsap. Um, but I think it's the right move is to get a big who can rebound because if you can't rebound the ball, you're never going to get the ball. That's why Bam Adebayo embarrassed them at some points in the postseason. Yeah, and I really do like this Jeff Teague signing. People might forget, though, that he was an all-star only five years ago. And honestly, some of his best years were with the Atlanta Hawks. Now he, you know, before he got signed by the Celtics, he was in Minnesota. So, I mean, he's been around the league, a few different organizations. But still, I think Jeff Teague as a backup, a former all-star, that's not bad for the Celtics at all. You know, he's going to be right behind Kemba Walker, who's another great point guard in the league. And Jeff T just will only add to that. So having him come off the bench, Daniel Tice as well, probably. I mean, the Celtics just added some depth that they kind of lacked last season when it was time to go into the NBA playoffs. And that's why I'm so excited to watch them this year is that they're going to have some shooters and some great players come off this bench and that nobody's really going to be expecting. That's the thing, too, is last year when they really needed a bucket, they couldn't get one off the bench at times because you had inexperience. You had guys like Wanamaker who really aren't scorers. But now you look at the bench unit, and if you need a, if you need a basket, Jeff T can still get you a basket. He mm -hmm. still gets speed. He still has the ability to score a little bit. So he can get you a basket when you need one. And then obviously we mentioned Neesmith has ability to shoot the three. So there's upgrades. And I think Celtics fans just can't be mad because what the media is telling them is, that Hayward's walking for nothing, and we could have had a deal with Indiana, which we don't know if that's the case. And I think they just have to understand that if if Danny had the ability to get something, I think he would have. I, I really do. But I think what happened is the Pacers weren't going to match four years and $120 million. They weren't. I don't know who would. That's just no. insane. Considering Nick Batum was the guy who 
they dished out a ton of money to a few years back. Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, look who you know Michael Jordan has brought onto this team. Lamelo Ball, Lamelo Ball, Vernon Carey Jr., a few other draftees in you know this past draft, and then you're bringing in a, a former All Star like Gordon Hayward, who's just you know going to take all that money from all these young guys and really the Hornets long-term, they're not going to have a lot of money for future signings, which is going to haunt them because of what they did with Gordon Hayward. And I think the Celtics were lucky enough that Hayward declined the player option this year to kind of test the waters of free agency and, you know, getting the most money that he could for, you know, what he's worth, which I don't think is, you know, that much anymore. I don't think it's four years, $120 million anymore. I was so surprised to get that money because even back in February when he was playing well, everyone thought he was accepting that player option that was looming. Everyone said, oh, he's definitely coming back for $34 million. Who would pay him that much money? That's crazy. And for a team to hop from four years and $120 million, it's Al Horford all over again. Mm-hmm. Look at Al Horford. He just got shipped over to the Thunder and probably a year from now is going to get bought out of a contract. Yeah, and for the Celtics, though, you know, the Sixers just got Dwight Howard. And they're going to still have Joel Embiid. Those are two prominent big men in the NBA. I mean, yes, Dwight Howard might be a little bit older, but you saw what he did with the Lakers last season is that he added to that team when it came down to the stretch and they needed a big man. Dwight Howard was that guy along with side Anthony Davis. So it'd be interesting to see the Celtics and Sixers this year, how they're going to match up down low, because you're going to have to have Tristan Thompson on Joel Embiid and then possibly maybe Daniel Tice on Joe on Dwight Howard which will be an interesting matchup between these two teams and it's not going to be another sweep if these two teams meet in the playoffs again it's going to be a really down to the wire game and honestly I don't know if the the Sixers definitely have improved a little bit in the offseason as well so you know the rivalry between these two teams has just grown yeah I'm not worried about the Sixers as much as I'm worried about the Heat still because Mm -hmm. the Heat are a team that played them really well Milwaukee's falling apart. I mean, yeah. I'm not worried about the Bucks. Um, the Heat are a big threat. And I think the Celtics, by getting Thompson, um, has they've acknowledged that the Heat are a threat. You know, they acknowledge that Bam Adebayo is a problem and they can finally get somebody to help rebound them. But another team that's been getting better in free agency that, you know, might not need to get better is the Los Angeles Lakers. They've added Montrezl Harrell, Marcus Gasol, Dennis Schroeder via trade. Um, that's a team, Markeith Morris is back. I mean, that's a team that already had a lot of talent, obviously, with LeBron and AD, but now adds the sixth man of the year in Harrell. Um, and Marcus Gasol, a guy who's not what he used to be, but he's an okay backup center. Yeah, and, you know, it's kind of surprising because look at the Lakers also lost a lot of people in the offseason as well, either if it was via trade or just, you know, the players just didn't want to come back. And, I don't know. A, a lot of the players, I said this, uh, was that like a lot of these guys were older and they just wanted their ring to get complete their resume and then just move on. So I'm not going to be surprised if, you know, Marcus Saul goes, gets his ring and then leaves uh, the Lakers in the next off season. And it, the Lakers are still ruling the West and there's no doubt about that. And I think both conferences are equally stacked of, uh, you know, who they have and star players on each of their teams. So I think that it's just going to be a crazy NBA season once December 22nd rolls around. But the Lakers, they might be, they're probably going to be going back to back. I mean, this is a still complete team. I mean, LeBron and AD, I mean, nobody can stop them. And they have Dennis Schroeder, Montrez Harrell. And I mean, that's just complete team. That's what I've you know, hoping to look forward to is, you know, seeing the Lakers dominate, of course, you know, not against any of the teams we root for Austin. We're hoping to see kind of an upset there, but if the Lakers don't win, I'll be very disappointed. And going through a few of the contract extensions that have happened in the NBA too. um, We saw Brandon Ingram today get a five year, $158 million contract extension. Steven Adams gets two years, $35 million. We saw Dario Saric, it's not an extension, but he re-signed with the Phoenix Suns, three years, $27 million. Jason Tatum with a max extension at five years, 195 Donovan Mitchell at five years, 195 And I know that De'Aaron Fox got a max as well, which was five years, 163 So 
out of all those contract extensions, George, which one is likely to be the biggest failure if there is one? Because these are all pretty much all-star players, with the exception mm-hmm. of Adams, who is two years, thirty-five million. But out of the Ingram, Fox, Mitchell, and Tatum, are there any of the four that you don't think are worth the money? Which I think all of them are. I mean, they wouldn't have got the extension, but any of them that are are more likely to fail than the others. You know, I I like De'Aaron Fox. He's a great player, but I think it's just you know he's on the Kings. And that's not going to be the team long-term that's going to help you. I don't think he has the assets around him, you know, to really complete this team long-term if they want to, you know, make a push for the playoffs. So I'm going to have to go with De'Aaron Fox. That, that one might not, you know, work out the best for the Kings, um, especially long-term. I mean, you look at the other teams like the Celtics, the Pelicans, uh, even the Jazz, they, they have complete teams around uh, each of their star players who they just gave a max deal to. So I think that's why, you know, the Celtics, Pelicans, Jazz, they're going to be, you know, excelling more rather than the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, I think I think it's a good point. I think Tatum's, Tatum and Mitchell are pretty safe. I think both mm-hmm. of those guys um, have shown over the over multiple years that they've, they've deserved this. I'm a little worried about Ingram. I like his game a lot. I think he – is a really good player, but he's only shown one year um, with mm-hmm. around him. So I think as long as he continues to play solid, he's worth every penny because he's a guy who really improved a ton from uh, with his year with the Lakers over to the Pelicans, uh, making that trade for Anthony Davis. Um, and then, as you mentioned, Fox is a guy who being on the Kings is tough. I mean, mm-hmm. they've been at the bottom of the league the last, what, forever i since yeah. i can remember i mean they've been drafting the top 10 for what seems like 20 years um and it, they just can't seem to build around stars so if you're De'Aaron fox you might put up some numbers it's it's similar to john wall right in washington mm-hmm. you might become an all-star point guard you might play well but you're not going to really win anything in that situation i don't think whereas ingram has a chance to win something with the team around him obviously tatum already made the eastern conference finals and mitchell the, the jazz are in the playoffs every year so in terms of winning, it's not necessarily Fox's fault, but fans might not, you know, be super satisfied with their superstar not leading the team to the playoffs like the other ones do. Yeah, and look what the Kings did with DeMarcus Cousins as well. I mean, he didn't last long when they drafted him. So right, right before he went to, I believe it was New Orleans, because I know he's been, you know, team hopping the last few years. So, and of course, I believe injuries didn't help DeMarcus Cousins out, but he was totally fine. Um, in Sacramento, I thought he was healthy. I know that trade was, I believe, for uh, Buddy Heald. I don't. I'm not 100 sure, but uh, I know the the Kings. They just, I don't know, long term. Can you trust them with a star player like that, giving a lot of money to? Because certainly the past has not shown that. So that's why I just a little nervous about the De'Aaron Fox deal uh, for Fox himself. I mean, this might hurt him a little bit. Yeah, you, you're getting you know the best deal you possibly can with the max, but still, I think that the Kings, you're right, Austin, they had, they've been at the bottom of the league. So can you really, you, you feel for De'Aaron Fox at this point, I, you know, time after time, it might get old and he might get upset and then, you know, want out. And then there you go. <laughs> you just lost a ton of money right there. That's the part, you know, with cousins, like you mentioned, it's for Fox is he doesn't want to cost himself a big contract, right? You know, he's got five years now, six years with this one. Before that runs out, but the, the thing is, is we've seen superstars in bad situations cost themselves money with bad play or bad attitudes, like Rajon Rondo when he was in Dallas after he was traded from Boston. Everyone was expecting him to get a four-year deal worth, you know, eighty million to be a star point guard. But then he was such a nuisance to that team that the only team that offered him a contract was ironically the Kings at two years, twenty million. So you have a guy like Fox who is going to have to continue to play hard, even though he's on a bad team. And really just, you know, make sure that he doesn't soil his chances long-term of another contract because these are all guys who will get another big contract like that at some point as if all goes well with these five years. So that's pretty much it for the extent, uh, the contract extensions in the NBA. DeMarcus Cousins, as we just mentioned, he signed with the Houston Rockets as like a minimum deal. Uh, shouldn't make a big impact. I mean, he's still kind of hurt. We don't know. It's a good, it's a good risk to take with a guy like that because you never know what you're going to get. Um, ECP back to the Lakers and Serge Ibaka is when we missed. He's going to the Clippers, two years, nineteen million. 
that's what I really like. I mean, he's struggled a little bit to be consistent um, as a scorer, but he did average 15 and 8 last season with Toronto. Yeah, and him and Kawhi already have that connection from when they were both up there in Toronto when they won the championship in 2019. So I like Serge Ibaka. He's a phenomenal basketball player. He's one of those guys that you can rely on if you need just like a quick bucket. Um, I remember when he was down in uh, Oklahoma City with the Thunder. He That's when he really stood out was when that team was stacked in 2012. And, you know, since then, I think Serge Ibaka is a guy you can really rely on in the league. Um, he probably won't be a starter on this Clippers team. Definitely like a 6-7 um, for them. I think that he can get them buckets when they need to off the bench, which will only help them depth-wise. And something the Clippers certainly lacked last season was down the stretch. How can they, you know, have somebody that can give them a little bit of a push and motivation when it came into the clutch time in the fourth quarter, because we saw that against the Dallas Mavericks and they just didn't play well against them at all. So I think it's a good signing here by the Clippers. Yeah, I think so. I think the thing to, you know, to the interesting thing to watch out for is I believe after this season, Kawhi Leonard has a player option where he can mm -hmm. opt out of that contract. And with them losing Harold, they do get Ibaka in. So it's not a, they're kind of, relying on Paul George to take a step forward. Um, getting rid of Doc Rivers, they're, they're relying on the new coaching staff to make a difference. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see. That'll be a situation to monitor all year is if Kawhi potentially opts out. And obviously Giannis is, as well. We don't know what he's doing. He has a chance to sign his extension. But I heard a report from Brian Windhorst, but Windhorst isn't the most reliable source. He's no shams. He's no Woj. Um, he's kind of more of a throw something to the wall, see if it sticks type of guy. Um, but Brian Windhorst said that Anthony Davis is waiting to sign his extension with the Lakers or his even re-sign with the Lakers until Giannis does because then he can decide if he's going to do a one plus one, um, like a one-year deal with a player option to opt out and make those contracts fit together rather than signing a five-year deal where they can't afford Giannis next year. So I will be very upset the Lakers get Giannis. I don't want to watch basketball again. Ooh. But at the same time, does LeBron, Giannis, and Anthony Davis fit together on the same floor? All three of them not being super similar, but none of them are really shooters. I mean, LeBron, yes. I know LeBron, if he wants to shoot, he can. But that'll be another year older. But I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. But it seems like the possibility of Giannis leaving – Milwaukee is greater than the possibility of him staying at this point because they haven't done anything to make him believe they know how to build around him. Yeah, and look what happened with Drew. I mean, they got Drew Holiday, and then, you know, they thought they got Bodanovich, right? But then, you know, something happened. Something fell through. There's an investigation through the NBA right now to see what really happened. And now Bogdanovich is staying. Giannis could have been like, hey, I'm not coming back. Don't, you know, come here. It's pointless, right? But then at, at that standpoint, Giannis is probably looking at the front office saying, this is probably, this is a great shooter. He's a great player. Why, what happened? You know, this is, I thought you're supposed to build around me here and nothing's happened. You, yeah, you got me Drew Holiday, great defensive guard, but where's that extra shooter I need? Because we just got rid of George Hill and Eric Bledsoe, who, you know, were my two and three. So I wouldn't be surprised if Giannis leaves at this point. You know, nothing's happening in Milwaukee. He's definitely not going to Miami because the Heat just gave Bam out of Bayou an extension. So that's definitely not going to happen for him. Uh, if anything, he's probably it's either he's going to leave or he's going to stay. And if he leaves, he's he's not staying in the East. That's for sure. If he teams up out west uh, in LA with the Lakers, I. Uh, wouldn't watch basketball i agree that would be too much and would they fit well together austin going to your question is i don't think so it would hurt Giannis's mvp numbers because you have lebron who's trying to win it one more mvp before he retires anthony davis trying to win his first one and two bigs like Giannis and ad down low yeah you know that's a great ideal you got two big men you know they're going to be great defensively offensively can they mesh well is a question is that you know Giannis is a lot bigger he's a lot long, lengthier longer than Anthony Davis who's just a lot bulkier and 
Giannis is just going to try to take it one-on-one, not really pass the ball. Anthony Davis, he's going to try to get, you know, the team a few passes here and there. Um, I seen Davis shoot some threes as well, so he can shoot the ball at an okay level. It's not the highest. Uh, he's better down low, certainly when he's in the post doing some post moves. So, and Giannis, he likes to take it from the perimeter down the lane. So those are two completely different big men. And those three together, of course, they are going to win a championship, no doubt about it. But it's just like the chemistry between them is not there. Yeah, I don't know how they'd play together. It's it's interesting, as you said. It's really three big men. Um, LeBron can play point guard, but at the end of the day, um, in terms of defense, who are they going to guard? I think the quicker guards might have an easy time against them, getting around them, getting by them. Um, so that's something to look look at if we ever get to that point in 2021. But one extension I did miss was Bam Adebayo of the Heat getting a five-year 163 extension, which – you know, it solidifies that Jason Tatum will have some more chances to revenge, uh, avenge his dunk that Adebayo blocked in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, that should be it for the NBA. They know there's a lot, but he has a bunch of minimum contracts getting signed. But I think we hit on most of them, George. Anything that we're missing? Yeah, I just got to say, though, for the NBA this year, it's it's the West. I mean, regardless of who's in the NBA Finals, I still think the West, a team in the West is going to win. They're just... I don't know. It's everywhere. You know, you get, you got a few teams that are, you know, really stacking up right now with some key players, um, you know, not superstars, but just some key players that can build a team. I mean, look at the Pelicans with Steven Adams. I was very excited about that one happening. So, I mean, I, I think there's just a few teams in the West that can really kind of pull through in the East. Of course, you got your same typical teams, the heat Celtics, Maybe the Bucks if Giannis stays or not. Sixers, I don't trust Ben Simmons enough, nor do I trust that process. Hasn't worked in the last four or five years, and it's not going to work in the future. So really, uh, the West is just going to be ruling the NBA once again. And we do have breaking news. The Sacramento Kings have declined to match the Hawks' four-year $72 million offer sheet for restricted free agent Bogdan Bogdanovich, according to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN. That's big news. So that mm-hmm. Celtics fans, that is what it looks like to let a guy walk for nothing, because you had him traded. He said, "No, I'm not going there. I want to explore free agency." But he was restricted, so you could have matched the offer seat, kept him for a year, then traded him, even if he had a full no trade clause for year one. That's what it looks like to let a guy go for nothing. So the Kings should be ashamed. Danny Ainge didn't have the opportunity to match. They did. They literally said, I- "No, we're not matching. Take him." <laughs> And that just goes to my point that the Kings, De'Aaron Fox, I mean, probably Bogdanovich's money went to De'Aaron Fox anyways. I'm pretty sure that happened. But I mean, uh, the Atlanta Hawks, they're going to be pretty good this year. They're going to be guard heavy, I believe. Chris Dunn went there. You got Trey Young, Rajon Rondo. Those are just three, you know, out of the many guards I know they have down there right now. And if Bogdanovich does go to the Atlanta Hawks, they also have Cam Reddish down there as well. So I think that the Hawks, they, they're going to make the playoffs, maybe as an eight seed or even in the play-in, you know, to see who's going to go into the uh, the playoffs. So the Atlanta Hawks, they're real. Also, I know you and I, we, we discussed off there about this one, though, the New York Knicks. I, I think we both think that they're going to be relatively decent this year. They're not going to be too high. We said um, mid-20s, you know, overall. Uh, throughout the NBA so I think that seeing the Knicks the Hawks kind of rise up this is kind of what they've been waiting for this is how you really rebuild the team Uh, maybe the Oklahoma City Thunder can take some notes it's not just draft picks it's just you know waiting for the right pieces to fall in at the right time yeah I mean I don't think the Knicks will be a competing team yet but they should be better than what they were last season by just adding some of those guys the Atlanta Hawks will make a big jump uh, this year, which is huge. The East will get a little more competitive, but as you said, the West still um, seems to be more, you know, the most competitive conference, mm-hmm. but that could change a little bit depending on where Westbrook and Harden go. If they end up being traded, we don't know if they will. Um, that should be something to monitor if those two guys get moved or not. Um, we haven't seen anything recently if they're getting moved at all, but in, in terms of the NBA, I think that wraps it up now, now that we know Bogdanovich is coming yes. to Atlanta, but that does put a guy on the trade block, I think, that everyone forgets about is Kevin Herter. He's a guy who can shoot the three pretty well in Atlanta. A young guy, a good defender. Um, 
and a good three-ball shooter. So I think, as you mentioned, they have now Trey Young, obviously. And they have Chris Dunn, Rondo, and Bogdanovich. So where does that leave Herder? That's a guy who could be moved. And I, it's a guy I think if you can get him, Danny Ainge, that's a perfect guy at your two, a guy who can shoot the three. We'll see. I don't want to start rumors that aren't true, but I would like to see him. But I, I do think that leaves him as the odd man out if they want to trade him. But he could probably play the three, but they have Cam Reddish, though. Yeah. So I don't know what they'll do, but somebody might be moved. They have a lot of players. And even, they even really, down low, they, really... they have Capella. They have John Collins. Um, they have Okongwu, uh, the rookie, Onyeka. So that's yeah. those three guys as well down low. So that's a crowded roster in Atlanta. So it's a And they signed team. Danilo Gallinari, mm-hmm. too, didn't they? Yes. So, I mean, that, that team's very complete, I think, you know, in terms of, you know, if you're a GM front office, you're looking for, like, a basis to build the team off there. That's it right there. Uh, you got you know, three somewhat decent, um, I'd say above average um, big men down low. And then you have an all-star in Trey Young, two-time NBA champion Rajon Rondo, an up-and-comer in Chris Dunn. So, I mean, right there, you got your past, your present, and your future all in one on one team. So, I th- and even with the addition of Bogdanovich, there you go. Hats off to the front office of the Atlanta Hawks for probably making one of the best teams and very underrated as well. Nobody's talking about them, how complete they are, but I got to say that's a good team. Well, it should be a lot of fun to monitor with the NBA getting back into the swing of things in the next few weeks. Uh, Games will be starting up just before Christmas. So players got a very short window to get into shape Mm -hmm. and ready to go again. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, but with Thanksgiving just around the corner, the NFL Obviously, with three Thanksgiving Day games. But before we get into those, let's recap what we saw in NFL Week 11. And we'll start with the Patriots. Patriots losing to the Texans mm-hmm. in a tough game. Um, Cam Newton played well, though. And I thought, you know, there was some questionable play calls. Watson had an incredible game for Houston in the secondary. Even with Gilmore and J.C. Jackson out there, really struggled. Yeah, and that, that's what was surprising to me is that the Patriots' defense was somewhat complete again as they were from the start of the season with probably a candidate for defensive play of the year, JC Jackson, who has six interceptions, you know, this season leads a league and Stefan Gilmore last year's defensive player. Of the year. And you'd think, Oh, you know, Deshaun Watson's not throwing the ball at all to them, but he picked them out, you know, one by one, 344 yards and two touchdowns. And the Patriots defense did not show up. And to me, I was like, are the Houston Texans, you know, are they seven and three? No, apparently no. We're playing a three and seven, uh, three and seven Texans team, and the Patriots, you know, offensively, Cam played phenomenal. Three hundred sixty-five yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. You know, that's what we like to see from Cam Newton. And you know, he didn't have a lot of rushing yards, only six. So they, the Patriots here, the play calling Austin, like you mentioned, was not what you know we are expected to. Uh, Damian Harris played for like 38% of the offensive snaps and only had 43 yards. James White, on the other hand, played for 50-something percent of the offensive snaps, more than half, and only had 19 yards. So they went away from the original game plan that we've been seeing when they had that win streak of two games. And I, I got to blank put this loss right here on Belichick and McDaniels for not doing calling the right place. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, Jacoby Myers has been playing really well the last two games and he only had 38 yards receiving. And you could tell the defense was all over him there. And they had to go to Tamir bird who had 132 yards. But then other than that, James white only had 64 and that was the next best receiver on the Patriots team. And that, it's not good when your running back is the best, the second best receiver on the team. And so the Patriots went away from the run game and that's what hurt them ultimately. And real you know, Rex Burkhead went down in the game, which, you know, hopefully he has a speedy and healthy recovery. He's going to be out for the rest of the season. So the Patriots just lost a great running back in Burkhead. So, you know, depth wise, that position is going to be lacking a little bit. So they're going to have to rely more on Harris and white to do more running and also with Cam Newton, but, I, I, this wasn't the same Patriots team we saw against the Ravens 
And it's, you know, awesome. Like we said on the show is that they, they got to start winning out and, you know, down the stretch, they can only afford to lose, you know, a few more games if they really want to make the playoffs. Yeah. They, they don't have much room for error. We talk about it every week, how they had to basically get to a number around nine and seven to, you know, give themselves a chance. Now they really can only afford one more loss to this point. Um, and that's being generous. That's really being generous saying that nine and seven gets them in the playoffs. Cause we don't really know if it will. I don't, I mean, the way some of the teams are playing with the, the Colts, um, the Colts are playing a lot better and you have that division where the Browns are still competitive, obviously the Steelers and the Ravens. So um, the Colts in the division, right. With the um, Texans, the Texans are struggling this year though. We have the other division, obviously the AFC North with the, Steelers, Browns, and Ravens playing competitive. The Colts and Titans in the South playing very competitive. So a lot of teams still fighting for those divisions. And even in the AFC East with the Bills and the Dolphins, both kind of, you know, the Dolphins losing a tough one this week and your guy Tua got benched, unfortunately. Mm. But all the divisions are pretty open. Uh, the only one that really is not necessarily over yet is the Steelers at 10-0 off to a hot start. But, George, let's, start, let's, let's discuss now the Miami game. Tua... Your guy, your rookie of the year kind of candidate, got benched. What happened? Yeah, he he really did not play well. Uh, 11 for 20, 83 yards, one touchdown. And I don't know what was going on to bench him. That's not bad stats. Like, like if, you know, if you were going to trend this upwards, I mean, when did he get benched? Like uh, third quarter? I don't know when it was. I think it was – it might have been beginning of fourth. I didn't watch the whole game, but I did see Fitzpatrick in there for the final drive in the fourth. Mm-hmm. So, I, it had to have been late third or early fourth at some point. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess if we're talking – if he got benched third quarter, then, I mean, I, I, I would see why you would if you if you only had 83 yards through three quarters. Well, but the thing is, too, is – he also took six sacks for 33 yards as well. Mm-hmm. And Fitzpatrick on his 18 passes didn't take any. And I think it's him holding the ball too long. And Flores just felt at that time that Fitzpatrick coming in gives him a better shot to win over Tua. Yeah, you know, I, I still believe in Tua. And, you know, I guess you could say this is his first official loss as Miami Dolphins because he did technically start the game. So he is 3-1 and one as a starter on the Miami Dolphins, but still, I would not count him out. Uh, I was just, I just missed my, um, my bold take from last week. I said two was going to have 200 yards, three touchdowns. I was just, you know, just close. Yeah, <laughs> <And> really close. <laughs> no, but I mean, just wait till next week. That's, you know, I'm, I'm hoping for a bounce back. Well, he'll by. be back in. Yeah, of course he will. Yeah. I mean, I believe they already said He's that. He's a starter for next week. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, in Tua, we trust, right, Austin? Yeah, you know, right, Austin. I mean, that's that's all you. Um, but another <laughs> game, though, that you got to be happy about is the Dallas Cowboys with a big win yep. over the Minnesota Vikings. And all just like that, the Cowboys are tied with the Eagles in terms of wins. Well, tied with every other team in the division. They all have three wins now. <laughs> so it's anybody's division. Literally, anyone can win that division, even if they have four wins which is just embarrassing. But I got to admit, I'm believing in the Cowboys to win the division now. There we go. Austin is on the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, he's on the bus for him. And you guys heard it here first. I mean, I'm not letting you go of this either. And we have this recorded. It's, it's, I'm going to make sure you never let this down. I'm not on the Cowboys bandwagon by any means, but I, I just think the division's so horrible that they can win it. Oh, then they will win it, Austin. I can. They will. Oh yeah, Carson Wentz is probably like one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL right now. I I know definitely worse than uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who you know came in the game for you know Tua. But I mean Andy Dalton, the Red Mamba, two hundred three yards, three touchdowns, one interception. I mean look at this man. He he came back first game, and just lit it up out there. I'm you know I think the Cowboys if they win out Austin, oh no. You know, they're, they're going to end up going 7-7 seven and seven anyways. But that's not the point. Well, yeah. <laughs> they, there's no way they win. Well, they actually, they do have a weak schedule. 
from what I've, I've read up on. Let's take a look really quick at who they do face. So this week on Thursday on Thanksgiving, you're going to have a heck of a Thanksgiving. You're going to get to watch your boys at 4.30 on Fox versus the Washington football team. A game they can win. Then their tough game does come next week against the Ravens. Um, which oh, that's is, easy. That's easy. That's easy. The Ravens? The Ravens, yeah. Interesting. If the then pay- the Bengals. They uh, can do it. So can the Cowboys. Okay. All right. Well, then they got the Bengals without Joe Barrow. We'll talk about that mm-hmm. in a moment. Uh, the 49ers without Jimmy Garoppolo. The Eagles, who have Carson Wentz, unfortunately, for them. <laughs> yeah, so and that just... They finish it off with the Giants. So the Cowboys have a very winnable schedule. So Yeah, I mean, I, I, I might, I'll say if they lose one, I wouldn't be surprised. It'll definitely be to the uh, Ravens. But, I mean, your boy, Austin. Let's talk about this. Ezekiel Elliott. First time with 100 rushing hey. yards all season, and it only took 11 weeks. And he had a receiving touchdown. Yeah, I mean, there you go. Fantasy looking good? Still lost. No. Oh, of course. I won in my leagues, but the problem was is I messed up. I had Kirk Cousins in as my starting quarterback, but then I said, you know what? They're going to run the ball down the Cowboys' throats. I, I got to switch to Alex Smith because Josh Allen was on my bye week. And I, and I messed up. Alex Smith had eight points. Kirk Cousins had like 23. So it was – well, then Juju also had five points. So th- and and that Juju didn't really did. help. Because yeah. Diggs and Allen were on my bye. So if Diggs and Allen play, I win by 20. But it, it is whatever. I mean, I'm still a playoff team. Oh, well, we'll keep you updated here at Midnight Mania Sports about Austin's fantasy team and seeing how he's going to do, you know, with no Ezekiel Elliott. Ooh, I <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I'm not I'm not a fantasy dynasty genius like some people we we know. Oh yeah, no, you should you should be taking advice from them about you know drafting your next team, Austin. Maybe they'll tell you to yeah, avoid sure. Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, right. Yeah, we'll see. But I, I mean, speaking of drafts, the number one overall pick in the draft, Joe Burrow, uh, the quarterback from LSU, drafted by mm-hmm. the Bengals. He. Been off to a really stellar start his rookie season, although his team's record didn't show it. Is now out for the season. Could be out for next season with a torn ACL, MCL. There's damage to his PCL and his meniscus. So that's the worst news that I've heard in a long time. Um, you hate to see it, especially to a person who's worked really hard to get to where he is. A guy who had to transfer from Ohio State, wasn't getting opportunities, was getting passed over wins a national championship, goes number one. And then, unfortunately, I mean, it was just a, a freak accident, like most of these injuries are. And uh, that's just hard to see because – but at the same time, Rex Ryan made a good point on uh, – I think it was Get Up he was talking. Um, Rex Ryan said that, you know, the Bengals, not that they obviously caused the injury, but there was, they were basically setting this kid up for failure from day one. We've talked about it mm-hmm. on our show, about how he was throwing the football – 50 times a game he was getting hit 10 times a game and at some point if you get hit that often like Troy Aikman back at his rookie season with the Dallas Cowboys was concussed a couple times because he was hit so often because of how bad his offensive line was in Burrow getting hit that often you knew something was not new but you know what I mean you just if you're getting hit odds are if you're getting hit that many times that you're going to get hurt at some point and it's unfortunate and you just got to hope that Burrow can come back from this injury. And this will certainly be a tough injury to come back from. Uh, MCL, ACL, possibly a PCL as well. I mean, that's his entire knee right there. But, I mean, even before he got injured, he was throwing 34 passes, completed 22 of them for 203 yards. I mean, they're overworking the poor kid. I mean, Austin, this, he's younger than us, about our age. And, you know, he's out here in the NFL against grown men throwing 34 passes with an offensive line that has, you know, really not set him up that well. And he's been getting hit. You know, we've talked about it here, like you said, about how Joe Burrow, they're overworking him. And, you know, this is something that they're going to have to reevaluate in the future is that, okay, you know, Joe Burrow is our future. And we are going to have to, you know, be more cautious about him. You, you don't want to throw your future away because, I mean, the Bengals were two seven and one, which, you know, in the AFC North, it's not the best, but certainly better than what we've seen the Bengals play. 
And they've had numerous close games that came down to field goals or missed field goals rather for them is that they could have won a few more games. And Joe Burrow has been leading them there. So I thought that, you know, he might turn this franchise around into something promising, but they just overused him, overworked him so young into his career that this might affect, you know, long-term for him. Right. And an injury like this is tough to come back from. You've seen Carson once had an injury like this, and he hasn't been the same since then. Um, I mean, if you look at the history, Tom Brady did tear his ACL at one point and came back. But this is worse than that. This is an ACL, MCL. We, we said damage to the PCL and meniscus as well. Um, this is something that Adam Schefter said, a minimum of nine months, more likely to be 12. That'd be a full year, um, which would a year from now is called Thanksgiving next year. So mm-hmm. are you even going to run them out there at that point? Or are you better off let them have the whole year next year off? So we don't know if we're going to see Joe Burrow for the 2021 season either. I mean, it probably depends on the Bengals situation where they're at. Yeah. And, you know, for the Bengals, it's the best option. Keep them out for the rest of the season. You're not going to bring them in week 11 just for him to play you know, a few more games, not make the playoffs and then risking him getting hurt again. So if I were the Bengals, depending on how healthy he is, if he makes a really like good recovery and everything's fine and you see how he's playing training camp practices, then yeah, maybe it would, it would be interesting to see him in a game time situation, even for a quarter of that. So, I mean, 2022, that season is going to be the best for the Bengals and for Joe Burrow. It's just that, you know, how the organization's going to handle this. Yeah, you got to wonder who they're going to bring in for next year to, you know, be their quarterback. Ryan Finley could just stick around. Um, but this sets him up for another first-round, you know, high draft mm-hmm. choice. Um, guys, there's a few good offensive linemen in this draft. Kenny Seawall off the top of the draft board for linemen. Uh, obviously, if they somehow get the number one pick, I don't think they'll be taking Trevor Lawrence, but that's a discussion that – could happen if we ever get to that point. I don't think it's worth having it now, but it does set him up to hopefully get borrow some offensive linemen when he is one day healthy again. But and, another uh, mm-hmm. no, go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say I was gonna actually bring up your bull take for last oh. week. We're not gonna let this slide, Austin. You know, when we're talking about the Bengals Washington football team game, you said. Now, now, let me just say this slowly for everybody to, you know, just really comprehend. Alex Smith, four, yes, I repeat, four touchdowns. He had one. Well, he didn't need to throw four. That was the problem is as soon as Burrow got hurt, the Bengals, like, didn't pick up, like, one first down. So they, Alex Smith just had to run the ball all game. If he needed to, I think he could have gutted. Like, if Burrow didn't get hurt and they stayed competitive – the chance he could have had a couple more touchdowns. My fantasy team would have liked it too, but unfortunately he didn't. So you revolve on. Do you revolve your bold takes around your fantasy team? No, because I would never have a bold take regarding Tua. I would never have like Tua's <laughs> oh, on my so fantasy team, so I would. Ooh, nice. No, no, That's he's not on my move. fantasy team. Smart... I've had a bold take about Tua being terrible because then I would be jinxing my fantasy team. Oh, but well, if we want, we can take a look at week 12 since we'll just be having this show this week here on Midnight Mania Sports. Let's take a quick look into week 12. But, um, well, actually, let's, let's talk really quick about last night's game. Tom Brady, two interceptions, only 216 yards, and a loss for the Rams. Is Tom Brady ooh, done? Ooh. They looked bad. It didn't look he, good. They looked, they looked absolutely terrible. I mean, Jared Goff is not the best quarterback in the NFL. I mean, he's probably right there in the middle. Um. But Tom Brady's one in three this season in primetime games. That's Thursday night, Sunday night, and Monday night football. He's one in three. Like, that's not Tom Brady right there. And two interceptions? I mean, Tom. And did you see some of them, though? I mean, the one at the end of the game, that one was bad. But I believe there's one um, early, late third, maybe early fourth, where he just totally misread Godwin's route. He was supposed to do a post route inside. But Tom Brady threw the ball way too early right before Godwin hit that turn to go on the inside. And he just kind of underthrew it by like a mile, like by 10 yards. It wasn't even like close to Godwin and within the vicinity. And that was an easy interception. And Tom Brady, you know, with all due respect, I love, 
you know, he's brought so much for the Patriots and everything like that. But I mean, you're really just hurting yourself at this point. I mean, you know, looking like, yeah, you know, he's had some success, you know, last few years, but I mean, Bruce Arians isn't the best. And this kind of goes back to what everybody's talking about every time Tom Brady loses or every time the Patriots loses, who was it? Was it Belichick? Was it Brady? And Bruce Arians is not the best option for Tom Brady. And, you know, considering we talk about every single week, the Patriots don't have weapons. Tom Brady does have weapons, but still look what's happening. I mean, yes, their record isn't terrible. You know, they they are a decent team in the NFC, the seven and four, right? So, I mean, it's not like they're terrible, but I mean, still, even with all these weapons around Tom Brady, two interceptions, 200 yards, I mean, any quarterback would love to have the, the amount of receivers and tight ends that he has. A defense played terrible too. So Tom Brady, is he done, Austin? I wouldn't be surprised if they might, you know, consider going to a backup. Um, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be against it, but also I, you know, it's Tom Brady. You, of course, you got to play the greatest quarterback of all time. First, we have the Thursday Thanksgiving Day game. We have at 1230 a battle between the sub 500 teams, the Houston Texans and the Detroit Lions. Lions get their Thanksgiving game every year. And uh, the Texans Lions should be an okay game. I mean, we'll see. Detroit was shut out against the Panthers last week, but they're coming to come up throwing. It'll be an interesting game. And Houston looking to continue the momentum after a big winning at the Patriots at 1230. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting game. I'm, I'm going to go with Matthew Stafford and Detroit Lions on this one, even though the Texans do have that momentum. It's just that they're in Detroit. I think Stafford's playing well all season long. Um, and I don't know. I think the Texans, they just had that one good game. I really think it was kind of like a one-game fluke, and of course, it was against the Patriots. I mean, of course, right? Why not? Uh, but I, I, I do trust Matthew Stafford. I like him as a quarterback, and I think that they can kind of pull this off. I mean, they're in it every year, so they're kind of like this is like their territory. This is what they live for every season, you know. Detroit Lions fans—they don't have much to live for these days, except for Thanksgiving Day games. So, give them a win. Why not? I got to go with the Texans in this one. I think uh, the Lions, after getting shut out against the Panthers, I don't think they have the momentum or motivation. I think Matt Trisha's days in Detroit are numbered. I mean, if he, if they come out and stink it up on national TV, this could be his last game as a Lions head coach. I really th- I think his days are numbered. After just another poor performance against you, P.J. Walker got the start for Carolina, a backup mm. quarterback who played in the XFL last year. He threw two touchdowns. In the red zone, in the end zone, he threw two interceptions in, in the end zone. He walked two interceptions in the end zone, and he still couldn't capitalize. So, um, now, yeah, Austin, Patricia would, you, would you would you be opposed to bringing Patricia back to the as a defensive coordinator for the Patriots? Yes. You wouldn't like it. Yes, he was overrated. He was never that good. The defense under Patricia was always middle of the road. In the last two years since he's been gone, they've been pretty good. Flores did a good job with them. This year, they've kind of struggled, but it's also because you don't have Hightower out there commanding mm-hmm. your defense. You don't have a lot of your veterans. Bo Allen didn't touch the field. Uh, so Steve Belichick didn't have a, a great shot at help managing the defense. But there's no reason to bring Patricia back. I don't – he's overrated. He was never that good. He was okay at best. I really – I'm not a Patricia guy. I, I'm really not. Do you want him back here? I liked him. Wouldn't be opposed. But I think what we have right now is really good. I don't think he'll get another coaching job. I mean, unless he goes to the New York Jets, which will be kind of interesting to see if they kind of get rid of Adam Gase there and move on. I mean, so, I mean, if we saw Patricia twice a year as a Patriots, I mean, that'd be such, that'd be so fun to watch, honestly, because Patricia in his first year coaching, he beat the Patriots. I remember that. I remember that. So, I mean, that would be really like a, Okay, so who's really smart here? Who can outsmart each other? Kind of like a um, Mike Vrabel, Bill Belichick in the wild card game last year with the Patriots Titans. So I wouldn't be opposed, but best bet would be him to go to New York to coach the Jets, or he just doesn't have a job at this point because he has not done well and turned around this Lions organization. And with the next game, George, at 4.30 between the Reds, Washington football team. <laughs> 
I gotta pick another name. I'm gonna keep calling them that. Versus the Dallas Cowboys. This is where my bold prediction for the week is gonna come in. I think Ezekiel Elliott will have three touchdowns total in that game. Oh, I was gonna say uh, no Alex Smith four touchdowns this week. No, he's I no, I give up on him. Okay. Well, okay, I like that one. I like that's a good bold prediction. You can have Zeke. Zeke for three touchdowns. Three touchdowns, okay. I'm gonna have to well, that's not this isn't my bold take, but of course I'm gonna pick none other than the Dallas Cowboys to win, of course. Um best team in the NFC East and the worst team in the NFC. And I think I think Andy Dalton's gonna have a good game again. Probably throw for two touchdowns, maybe two hundred. I don't know, but the Red Mamba strikes in Dallas. The Red Rifle. He, <laughs> he's interesting. I mean, I think Zeke will have a decent game. Um, I think they got to continue to run the ball because that's what worked this week against the Vikings. They're able to run, take some pressure off Dalton, uh, and allow the receivers to kind of figure things out as the game went on. CD Lamb had a great catch. One of the catches of the year in that game for a touchdown. Cooper played well. Uh, Michael Gallup hasn't been what you'd like, but I think it's partly due to the quarterback play. Um, so that should be a good game. I mean, I'll definitely watch that one as well. And then the game of the day has to be the night. <clears throat> excuse me, the night game. The Baltimore Ravens and Pittsburgh Steelers. Will we see the Steelers pick up their first loss of the season? That's going to be my bold take for this season for this week. Austin is. I'm going to have the Ravens upset the Steelers and they're going to pull out and win, I believe. Um, but it's, this is going to be, this is the interesting part though, Austin is if this game is actually going to happen this week, uh, multiple Ravens players have tested positive for COVID-19. So that was earlier in the week on Monday. So we're going to have to see like if this game's going to happen, but I'm going to have to go with the Ravens. I think Lamar Jackson's going to have a good game. Hollywood Brown as well. So I'm going to say Ravens get the win. Lamar Jackson, three touchdowns, and two of the, one of those being a rushing touchdown. So Lamar with the Ravens win, three touchdowns, and one rushing touchdown. Mm-hmm. Three total touchdowns, one of them three being total. rushing. Yes. Hmm. That, that'll be an interesting one. I can see it happening. I mean, like, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I mean, at some point, I think the Steelers will lose. They will not have an undefeated season. Uh, and what? none other, I mean, of course, one of the biggest rivals, you know, in the NFL, Ravens-Steelers, nothing better than having it on Thanksgiving. Yeah, I've got to pick the Steelers in this game. I think Lamar will play solid, um, but he does struggle with the deep ball a little bit. And I, I do like the Steelers to move to 11-0 in this one. And then, George, your thoughts on you, – you're picking the Ravens in this one? Yes, I am. I am picking Okay, the so you're picking the Ravens to, to give the Steelers their first loss. And yes. then moving to Sunday's games, though, George, we have a couple good matchups. First, Tennessee and Indy at 1 o'clock, the battle of seven and three teams in the AFC South. They, this game could help decide first place. The Colts beat the Titans earlier this year, which gives them the tiebreaker, but – if they can even this series out, that'll be big for the Titans, who won a game in overtime against the Ravens on Sunday. Yeah, I'm. I like the Colts. Really, uh, they are a well-rounded team this year. Philip Rivers is kind of shocking a lot of people with playing, you know, the way he is right now in Indianapolis. Um, and on the other hand, though, the Titans. Yes, they are seven and three, but they're one of those teams. Seven and three teams. You're like, okay. Um, you know, when, when are they going to have that downfall? And I think right now, Derrick Henry isn't playing like he was last year. I don't think Ryan Tannenhill is throwing the ball more, which is not what you want to see. You'd rather see him handing it off to uh, Derrick Henry. Uh, and I don't know. I just think that the Titans aren't all that this year. There's a lot of hype around them last year, especially with Derrick Henry. So I'm just gonna have to go with the Colts on this one. I, I got to take the Colts in this one as well because I think they, they the, the Titans have struggled here and there with Tannehill quarterback. Eric Henry has had a decent season. He's over 1,000 yards rushing. He's the uh, one of two guys now over 1,000 yards rushing on the season with Dalvin Cook. So continuing to play well. His What's missed, what's, what a lot of people don't realize is 
his first half stats compared to his second half stats, not only in games, but in the NFL season are incredible. He usually has a strong second half of the NFL season, but also during games, he just wears guys out. His first 18 carries against the Ravens were for 44 yards. He ended up finishing with over 100 yards rushing in that game. He just wears you out the whole game. So he's a, he's a problem, but I think the Titans are just struggling. And the Colts actually, well, their defense is number one in the NFL. They seem pretty legit. But another game that's interesting is the Cardinals-Patriots game, George, at 1 o'clock as well. The Cardinals are only two-and-a-half-point favorites over New England. Yeah, this is interesting. With, you know, an MVP caliber, Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, this is going to be a huge defensive game for the Patriots. It's going to be a wake-up call for them defensively. You have one of the best receivers in the NFL right now. I mean, you also don't forget Larry Fitzgerald, too. I mean, when he's on, he's on. Yes, he is up there in age, but still, he can have some good games for you. So, defensively, the Patriots need to really step up. There's a run game as well that they have to watch out for with Kyler Murray. He's a similar playing style to Cam Newton. Just Cam Newton's like a few feet taller than Kyler Murray. And I just think the Patriots defensively need to step up. Offensively, I think this could be a really good game for the Patriots, as long, especially passing-wise. I think Cam can have another good passing game. But they, still, they just need to implement Damian Harris early. And they need to get him going and play him more rather than having James White. I think White needs to be that secondary option for the Patriots at this point. I think they found their guy. I know we mentioned this earlier with Damian Harris. I like Harrison with the injury to Burkhead, as you mentioned earlier. James White's going to have a bigger role in the offense. So if they can establish a run game, the Patriots should have a shot to beat the Cardinals, who have struggled. Kyler Murray has a sprained AC joint in his throwing shoulder, so that's going to limit him on Sunday. He's expected to play but that's going to greatly limit his ability to throw the deep ball and really find his receiver. So it should be an interesting game plan for the Cardinals offense to see what they can do to help kind of make up for the injury to Kyler. And then one more game, George, to go over at one o'clock is to me, uh, the Miami Dolphins versus the New York Jets. Will we finally see the Jets get a win this week? No, because two was starting. <laughs> that's why. Um, oh, no. <laughs> oh. You heard it here first. George is now. No, I said, I said no. Whoa, 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 whoa. I said <laughs> no. The Jets are not going to lose because Tua is starting. I know. I'm kidding. That's not. That's not. There's no Tua slander allowed on this podcast, <laughs> Austin. I mean, unless it's coming from. I mean, <laughs> there's Jets slander allowed. So I mean, that's okay. fine. But I think Tua is going to have a great game. Um, not going to bet anything on him because when I do, I guess he plays poorly. So I, I don't want to be the reason why he plays poorly. Uh, I'm just going to be a little superstitious here. So no bull take from Tua this week from me. But I still think that the Jets don't have what it takes. The Dolphins are playing good. Yes, they had a loss. But I still think that they're going to come out stronger, better than ever. Going to fix the things that they did wrong against the Broncos and kind of destroy the Jets in week 12. It'll be interesting to see. The Jets really stink. I'm not convinced that they'll ever win a game. They did make it a little competitive later in the game against the um, Chargers on Sunday, but still fell up short. But a game at 4 o'clock that should be fun and exciting for Chiefs fans is Mm -hmm. the Chiefs versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady, as we mentioned, struggling. I got to pick the Chiefs, and I don't know – how close it will be. Tom, man, just didn't look good on, on Monday night. Yeah, and I didn't – I wasn't all too thrilled with him with Monday night's performance. And going up against like, a, okay, here's like the new generation up against Tom Brady, who's, you know, pretty much, you know, the he's the greatest, of course. And, you know, somebody who's going to be up there maybe possibly one day, Patrick Mahomes, who's at that caliber of – you know, playing really well. It's going to be an interesting game. I think the Buccaneers defensively need to step up immensely. And they didn't play well against the Rams. Um, Cooper Cup, he went off in the first half against the Buccaneers defense, nine receptions for 109 yards, which was insane from Cup. So I thought that the Bucks defense wasn't that good. They need to be phenomenal here on their A game because, I mean, you're going up against the former Super Bowl champions. This is going to be a huge game for Tom Brady to see 
what the rest of their season is going to be like. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting game. I mean, the, the Buccaneer defense started off strong, but also didn't have the toughest competition to guard, which was part of the reason I think they were a top defense. And they've now kind of shown their true colors, struggling to stop receivers. As you mentioned, Cooper Cup with a massive game. Robert Woods played well as well. Um, but yeah, it should be. A, it shouldn't be a blowout. I don't think. I think Tom's going to keep it close. They have to get the run game going if they want to be competitive, and they've struggled to do that. So we'll see how they bounce back to get the run game going. And then the Sunday night game between the Bears and the Packers. Aaron Rodgers coming off a loss thanks to a fumble from Montez, uh, Marquez Valdez Scanling, uh, causing them the loss in overtime unfortunately, uh, but Rodgers are going to bounce back. He's going to have a huge game against the Bears. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure the Bears don't know who their starter is, if it's going to be Nick Foles or Mitchell Trubisky. So regardless of either quarterback who it is, I think Aaron Rodgers is just going to torch that Bears team on Sunday night. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if that game will be close. Rodgers plays another guy similar to Brady, who are they really going to lose two games in a row like that? You know what I mean? Two two tough losses in a row. I don't think so. No, I have to agree. That will not happen. And we haven't seen that happen in, uh, you know, either their careers where they have like back-to-back terrible games with multiple interceptions. That just, at least we haven't seen that with Brady. Uh, Rogers, there might be a few times, but still those are, these are two high caliber quarterbacks, hall of famers, of course. So I will not expect nothing less of them if they come out and have a great game. Yeah, should be a should be a solid game, um, but honestly, I don't. Like I said, I don't know how the Bears are going to perform with Trubisky. And then the Monday night game between the Seahawks and Eagles is the last one of the week. Um, I Carson Wentz is horrible. That's just that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> he is just. If you saw the pick six he threw against the Browns, I mean, he just just terrible. So Seahawks by a landslide. Uh, Seahawks yeah. by three touchdowns. Yeah. Three. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's not a bull take at all. Austin. That's just like common sense that the Seahawks, Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, they're all going to come out strong and outperform this struggling NFC East team, the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. The Eagles, I like Miles Sanders in the run game. They, they just got to get that going. Play calling's not, not up to speed. Kind of. Uh, Doug Peterson struggled to figure things out. Um, yeah, I gotta go. I gotta go. The Seahawks probably by a couple touchdowns in that one. I mean, if Wentz doesn't turn the ball over, this is a team that can really compete. I think because the defense has helped them out, but him get, putting the defense on the field three or four extra times a game really makes the Eagles struggle. Yeah, no, this Eagles team certainly has struggled. I like Boston Scott though. I don't think he's you know too bad. Um, he has had some good games all season long, so I th- I wouldn't be surprised if they you know put up a few points on the board, but still, uh, Russell Wilson's just gonna do him. He's just gonna play like he has. Hopefully, not like a few games where he's had multiple interceptions, but uh, I don't think he'll struggle at all. Well, that should be a it should be a good week twelve in the NFL, George. Mm-hmm. Any other final thoughts for tonight? Anything we missed from any of the major sports as well? No, really didn't miss what didn't really miss much. Uh, just want to wish the listeners happy Thanksgiving. You know, eat some turkey, watch the Cowboys win. Well, it should be a good Thanksgiving, George. <laughs> happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to all of our listeners here at Midnight Mania Sports. Make sure you follow us on all your social media platforms at Midmania Sports. Stay safe out there and thank you for listening.